when I stepped on this path, I said, I will only work on things that light up my fire because it just doesn't make sense to do something you hate and be on this freelancing path. There wasn't a single day in the past five years where I said, oh, I really hate to go to work today. And that, to me, is a definition of an absolute success. Welcome to the Genius Women Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia Denisiuk, a published travel photographer and writer, an entrepreneur, and founder of Genius Women. Four years ago, I quit my corporate job to pursue my dreams. And today, I'm on a mission to help other women pursue their creative dreams as well. This is Genius Women, a podcast where we explore living a rich, meaningful, beautiful creative life through in-depth conversations with brave women pursuing their wildest dreams. If you're ready to put your fears and doubts to the side, go after your dreams and step into your brilliance, you're in the right place. Let's go. Welcome, dear listeners. I'm very excited to welcome you back to our show today. And we have an interesting subject today. So uh, buckle up. It's going to get really wild. So today I'd like to talk to you about what success looks like in the travel media space. Many people I speak to are really interested in pursuing this career path, but many of them are also understandably worried about leaving their job behind and taking the plunge. So today I'd like to explore different ways in which this career can be an option. But first, why are we even having this conversation in the first place, right? Well, travel journalism, creative pursuits, storytelling, freelancing, these are not terribly lucrative careers, okay? This is not like an investment banking career where you get in, you start working, and you know that six-figure salary and beyond is pretty much guaranteed for you. This field is not like that. I'm sorry if this was a surprise or if this was something that you were expecting, but it's really not like that. The minuses of this career field are plenty. We all know that the publishing industry has been in flux in the past few decades. With the onset of the internet in the early 2000s, the industry has continually tried to reinvent itself, find new business models, find ways to continue supporting creators journalists, writers, photographers in a very competitive space where it seems like all the old ways of doing this work are continually getting uh, blown up, so to speak. Budgets are shrinking for publications. They keep losing their circulations. It's just a really competitive space. They're vying for attention of readers who are not reading as much as they used to read. We all know these, right? These are all the things that have been happening in the media for the past several decades. And also, freelancing is just hard. (laughs) It's just a very hard thing to do. In freelancing, you don't get a bi-weekly salary, which is something that really ties a lot of us to jobs that we don't necessarily love but we have to get because we have bills to pay. 
And in fact, when I was on the precipice of leaving my job behind now five years ago, I often gravitated to this one quote by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who said that the three most harmful addictions are heroin, carbohydrates, and a monthly salary. And that just spoke to me so much because I felt that this was really true. This was really true for me. I was addicted to that monthly salary. It gave me stability. It gave me security. It gave me an ability to pay off my bills and have a very lavish lifestyle in Manhattan. But it also tied me up to that job, right? It it tied my hands. I was tied to that job and there wasn't much that I could do outside of that. So all of these are the minuses of the travel media industry, the sort of continuous decline of the publishing industry, the shrinking budget, and the fact that freelancing is just really hard to do. But there are also the pluses, right? There are also the pluses. If you enter this industry, you get to travel the world You get to live out your passion doing what you love. You get to tell stories and get paid traveling and exploring our world. And for me, after being on that other side of having that monthly salary and having that stability and that security, the decision was really clear. There there wasn't even much of an internal discussion that I had with myself. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I go for it or not? I knew that I wanted to live a creative life. A life where I get to tell stories, travel, learn about other places, other cultures, other ways of living, and really feel like I'm living life exactly as I want. Not what society wants, not what my parents want, my friends or my co-workers want, what I want, right? And I also wanted to feel like I'm realizing my creative potential. I wanted to feel like what I do matters to me and to others. That felt like a really rich life to me, and I would never exchange it for any amount of money or security or stability anyone could pay me. But there are also practical considerations, right? If you have a mortgage and a credit card and a car payment, how do you make this work? So today in our conversation, I want to dispel the myth that the only people who are deemed successful, legitimate, or valid in this industry are the people who are able to make all of their income from one source, travel media publishing. Now, the reality of this industry is that this is hard to do, especially at the beginning of your career when you're just establishing your name and establishing your portfolio. If you're independently wealthy, you'll be easily able to start developing this new career path while also being able to take care of your monthly expenses, right? No big deal. Now, for the rest of us, it takes a lot of time to build up our portfolio. And in the meantime, we have to eat and we have to pay our bills and we need a place to stay. That means that we have to find other ways to sustain ourselves and it's absolutely normal. I want to normalize that conversation. Hopefully, this episode is going to start doing that. And by the way, next week, we have an episode with the award-winning travel journalist Jessica Vincent, and we'll cover some of what we're talking about today in that conversation with Jessica as well. So stay tuned for that. 
When you're thinking about leaving your job behind and starting on this new freelancing, storytelling, travel journalism path, here are the three steps that I want you to consider. These considerations may not be right for everyone, and they may not be right for you, but they've helped me, and today I'm sharing them with you in the hopes that they can help some of you as well. Now, let's get into it. The first step to consider is what I call clarify and downsize. You need to figure out what the absolute minimum is each month that you'd need to earn. Now, when you had a salary, you might not have paid so much attention to your expenses. I know that was me. You know, after you get a certain amount and you know you're covered every month and you know that money is coming in, you stop paying attention to every single dollar that you're spending every month. Well, in preparation for this transition, you will need to understand where your money goes every month and all of the different buckets into which your money goes. Food, rent or mortgage, transportation, entertainment, all of those buckets, you will need to look at them very closely. We're doing that so that once we know what our expenses are and what our absolute minimum that we need to earn every month is, we need to look at where can we cut those expenses. As we do that, we also want to think about that in some locations around the world, our absolute minimum can be incredibly small. So for example, when I stayed in Vietnam, After I quit my job back in 2016, my food budget for the month in Vietnam was $90. That's all I spent on food for the whole month in Vietnam. And my living expenses in Vietnam weren't much higher either. So you can see that as you're sort of looking at your numbers and trying to understand what your absolute minimum is, you can start looking at other locations and realizing that there are much more options around the world than what we sort of are accustomed to. And of course, if you're in the United States, if you're in the UK or Australia or Canada or some some other perhaps European countries, your absolute monthly minimum is going to be higher. But if you go to some other places around the world, your absolute minimum can be much, much, much lower. What that means is that you just increased viability of this path for yourself. So this is a really important step. Now let's talk a little bit about cutting, right? So once you know your absolute minimum, you have some expenses that you absolutely have to cover. Let's say you have a credit card payment or a car payment or you know whatever else that you can't get out of. Look at opportunities to cut your expenses somewhere else. Now, some people, when they get on this path, they get rid of their apartments in Manhattan, for example. That was me. I realized that when I no longer had that monthly salary, I no longer was able to support having that apartment in Manhattan. And that was a trade-off that was absolutely fine with me for the reasons I mentioned earlier. I, I knew that an apartment in Manhattan could not compare with living life exactly the way I wanted it to live. And so that apartment had to go. I also fully paid off my car just before I took the leap so that I didn't have that additional monthly expense dragging me down. 
Now, some other people move to other places, sell all their stuff and move to much cheaper places. And for this conversation, you can check out episode we did recently with Brianna Wilson, who did just that. Brianna had an apartment in Los Angeles. She had a car and everything that goes with that lifestyle. And when she realized that she wanted to become a travel writer, she sold off a lot of her belongings. She got rid of that apartment. She moved to Georgia and Mongolia. And she's been just absolutely content with her life choices and with the move that she did. You can learn more about that in the episode that we did. So the first step is clarify and downsize. Now, the second step is look for flexibility and control. And I'll explain what I mean by that. One of the biggest draws of this new career path for me was the fact that I could now be the captain of my own ship. No one could tell me what to work on, where to live, what to do with my time. And this is exactly what I was missing in corporate. You know, when you're in corporate, you're really tied to that office. You are tied to what your boss is telling you that you need to work on. In some cases, tied in a lot of cases, actually tied to having a schedule. Oftentimes, it's a very grueling schedule and there isn't much that you can do on your off time. And that was a big problem for me because if I wanted to pursue, let's say, travel journalism on my free time outside of my corporate work, well, I learned quite quickly that I'm not able to do that because when I was in corporate and from talking to my friends, I know uh, that this is a quite common occurrence. That job and that work paid me very well, but it also took a lot of my energy, actually most of my energy. It took most of my juices. It took most of my brain power. And so by the end of the day, when I perhaps wanted to work on something else, I just wasn't able to. I was exhausted. I was exhausted every single day. You know, I often see those quotes and conversations happening on social media, be the six to nine hustler. And and it's that whole idea that you can have your main job, you know, nine to six, and then six to nine in the evening hours, you can work on something else that you have. Well, for me, that actually wasn't possible because in my corporate job, I was working from eight in the morning till eight at night, sometimes later. I was working weekends. I was logged on on the evenings as well. And so that job consumed basically my whole time. And I had no time, no energy, no inspiration left to do anything else. So that's a consideration. You have to look for that flexibility and you have to look for that control of your own time in order to build this new career. And for a lot of us, this is just not possible if we're staying in jobs that require most of our energy. So the second step is look for that flexibility and look for that control. Now, the third step is to make a plan to support yourself as you build out your portfolio. You have to evaluate any available means to support yourself that give you that flexibility and control that we just talked about. 
Now, in the ideal scenario, of course, if you're preparing for a transition, if you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm wrapping up my job here and I want to start creating stories, I want to start traveling and pitching these stories to publications, and let's say I want to do that come August 1st. So between now and August 1st, you need to start making a plan. And in the most ideal scenario, that plan includes having some savings, right? Having some savings that's going to last you while you're building out this new path for yourself. And a quick note on savings is that we often underestimate how long it would take for us to get established. We often underestimate. So if you're Thinking about the savings that you might need, I always say between 6 and 12 months is ideal. Of course, if you have savings for more than that, it's even better. But 6 to 12 months of that absolute minimum that you need to earn. Remember the first step, absolute minimum that you need to earn each month. If you have 6 to 12 months of that saved up as you go through this transition, well, then that's really the ideal scenario. But we also know that ideal scenarios don't often happen in real life, right? Sometimes things get a little bit rockier than that. And that's totally fine too. But as long as you know what your absolute minimum is, then you're able to plan for that, right? And in that third step of making a plan to support yourself, you're going to look for any other available means to support yourself that give you that flexibility and control. What can you do at the intersection of your passions that can sustain you while you build out your dream? If your current job doesn't take all of your juices, doesn't take all of your energy and leaves you plenty of control, plenty of time to work on other things that you want to develop, then that's great, right? You can continue doing that and you can keep building your portfolio. But again, for many of us, that's just not the case. And so what that means is that we have to switch to a different job, perhaps a different project, a different part-time gig, perhaps, that supports yourself with that absolute minimum that you need, but also gives you that flexibility, that uh, time, and that control. Because again, I can't stress that enough. Flexibility, control, freedom of location, freedom of being able to go somewhere on a moment's notice as you develop your portfolio and you, and you create those stories, that's really important in that career. And so when you're looking for something to support yourself as you're building your portfolio, think about those things. Does that gig, does that project, does it give you all those things? You know, at the beginning of this path, after I quit corporate, I told myself that I will only work on projects that light up my fire. Otherwise, it just didn't make sense for me to put myself through this challenge if I'd end up in jobs I'd hate anyway. You know, if I'm not going to love what I do, I might as well go back to corporate because that's, you know, at least I'd get a cushy salary there. So ever since then, for the past five years, I've really been following this principle and only working and choosing projects that light up my fire. For example, sometime after I quit my corporate job, while I was building my travel journalism portfolio, I also led a marketing effort for an organization that helped people figure out how to transition from corporate to a fulfilling life doing what they loved. 
that role really checked the box for me for all those three things we discussed before. It gave me flexibility of location. I was able to work from anywhere. It gave me control of my time. I could really control what I work on each day, whether I have an assignment due for a publication or whether I need to write a newsletter for this organization, I was in control. And it also checked the box for passion for me because I absolutely was passionate about this topic of helping people transition into a fulfilling career And so that really delivered on that promise. And I just remember when I was with that organization, I remember writing a newsletter for them, sitting in a pickup truck in the middle of a desert in the sands of Wadiram, Jordan, looking for Wi-Fi signal as I was trying to send that newsletter out. So that project that I was working on really delivered on all of the things that I was looking for. Now, before COVID, I also ran trips to Jordan with my travel company, Nomad and Jules, and I'm really hoping that we get to restart that project soon. That effort was born out of my travel journalism career, because when I first came to Jordan, I absolutely fell in love with the country, with the people, with the food with the culture, with the whole experience. It was just an incredible, incredible trip. And when I came back to the United States and I started posting about this experience on Instagram, I was shocked how many messages I received asking me, well, is it really safe there? How were you able to travel there on your own as a woman? Isn't there a war there? Isn't there a conflict there? What's going on there? And I was just so shocked because my experience on the ground in Jordan was just absolutely incredible. And I decided to do something about it. And I wanted to start bringing people to Jordan and to start sharing with them my love for the country. And I wanted them to see with their own eyes how incredible Jordan is. Yes, this effort also created an additional income stream for me. But it didn't make me any less of a successful, legitimate or valid travel journalist. And in fact, during one of the trips I led with Nomad and Jules, I was able to produce the story about the, the Bedouin communities in Jordan for National Geographic. And I'll link to this story in the show notes so you can check it out as well. Now, you see, this effort of leading a travel company also checked all those boxes, right? It gave me flexibility. It gave me control. And it was absolutely a, a passion project of mine. Today, I'm here with you, dear listeners, building this Genius Women platform and empowering women and their supporters to go after their dreams, design their lives in the ways that they want, step outside the norms, live boldly, and create brilliantly. Now, does this effort make me any less of a successful travel journalist? Absolutely not. I'm going on incredible assignments, and in fact, my next one is going to be to Austria, fingers crossed, as soon as the borders open. And I'm also working with all of the amazing publications I've always dreamed about working with. Only now, the difference is that I'm also sharing my knowledge and experience with others. I'm lifting others up in the way that I wanted to be lifted when I first started in this industry. So... 
I want to say a little bit more about this myth of a successful creator who gets all of their income from one place. That, to me, is a very rigid, patriarchal, and limiting vision. And here's why. Think about who it excludes from participating in the creative industries if we only view success and validity and credibility through these lens. It excludes people from marginalized communities, women, people of color, anyone who doesn't have financial means to be able to support themselves from the beginning when you first start building your name and career. Because again, it's going to take time. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that things don't happen overnight. You have to develop relationships with editors. You have to build up your portfolio. You have to keep pitching and keep reaching out for opportunities. And all of that takes time, right? So if you don't have the financial means to support you through that time that it's going to take, then you're immediately excluded from participating in this industry and from going after those dreams that you've had. And if you stick to that version of success that says, well, you're only valid if the only way you're supporting yourself is with this work. And if you have some other ways to support yourself, well, you're not valid anymore. That is such a limiting vision and it excludes so many people from participating. So by default, when we say that the only people who are valid in this career are the people who are able to support themselves from this one thing, we are going to exclude all these groups from this definition. Because the other thing is that oftentimes these groups don't have independent financial means. And what's more, they often carry the disproportionate brunt of additional unpaid, unrecognized labor, right? Like caregiving, like housework, like other obligations. And To me, none of that makes any sense because I want more people to participate in this industry. And in order to do that, we absolutely have to redefine what success looks like in our lives, in our careers, and in this industry. And we get to redefine what we do as we build out our creative paths. And we are the only ones who get to determine how valid all of our experiences are. You know, the through line through all of the projects that I've worked on in the past five years for me is that I'm absolutely passionate about every single one of them. As I told you earlier, that was a commitment that I made to myself when I stepped on this path. I said, I will only work on things that light up my fire because it just doesn't make sense to do something you hate and be on this freelancing path. There wasn't a single day in the past five years where I said, oh, I really hate to go to work today. And that, to me, is a definition of an absolute success. That's an absolute success in my book. So if you're wondering, what can you do to carve out this path for yourself and you don't have a big pot of money to fall back on, consider asking yourself these questions. What other job or project or gig or part-time commitment can you take on that would give you the flexibility and the control that you need to get this career going? Who gets to say what success looks like? You know, you are the only one who should be able to define that for yourself and don't let anyone tell you how successful you are or you aren't because the only one who gets to say and who gets to define that success for yourself is you. 
And finally, consider what story are you telling yourself about what is considered valid in this industry? You are valid and your efforts are valid and all of your successes and your wins and your setbacks are valid, no matter what other projects or gigs you are doing. If you are writing one article a month, one article in six months, one article a year, you are still a writer. If you published a photo essay somewhere four months ago, you are still a photographer. Don't let anyone define yourself through their lens of what success, validity, and credibility looks like. And don't let anyone to exclude you from participating in this industry. This is a really important conversation, and I hope that today it gave you some things to think about as you set out on this path, as you imagine this path for yourself, and as you set to define what success looks like for you. You're absolutely valid. You're absolutely brilliant. No matter what it is that you do outside of this particular path to support yourself, as you're building out this path, it's all absolutely valid. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Thank you so much. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation today. I hope you found some inspiration in today's episode. And if so, please consider leaving us a review so that more listeners could find our show. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for a conversation with an award-winning travel journalist, Jessica Vincent.